go. What? What are we doing? We're going to record a podcast. Again? Yeah. Okay. Are you? Oh, yeah. Howdy, everybody. I'm Rob. And I'm Ira. And this is anti Yes, it is. A podcast all about the films that run serpentine through the typical Hollywood schlock. Oh, I like that because the film we're discussing this week is... 1917. 1917. You like how I never I go in sync was, with you? Yeah, I know. Well, we did it one time. We thought that was too gay. So now you intentionally <laughs> go out of sync to make me look stupid. Yeah. And it works. It works and every it works. week. It works. And in addition to the film 1917, the uh, our top five this week is... is what? Long, uh, you don't think I'm ready for this, do you? Long, long take dicks, movies. T- uh, long, takes, no, long takes, ta- right. Movies with long takes. What? what? Now I'm just looking what, at you. What are you looking at? Looking at, at your long for? take. Yeah, yeah. My long take. <laughs> we got a lot of those. Yeah. Hey, uh, last week, we yeah. had top 2019 films. Ah, we and did, some, did we? A lot of people responded to this. Uh, we have a lot of feedback, don't we? we? we do, Let's share yeah. a few. Uh, yeah, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, we have one person who, who wrote in. I like this. He said uh, his number one was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and two through five, not applicable. So I guess that's, that's, the, I guess that's, that's the best the film one we saw him, that week. isn't it? Yeah. Or that year. We got a lot of uh, response from our listeners again. Movies yeah, including sure uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, Ford versus Furry, uh, Hustlers, and and also uh, Rocket Man. Yeah. And uh, there's a film here, Robert, I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this person said Midsommar. Yeah. What is that film? I'm not, it's one of, it's a new horror movie that came out. Um, hmm. But it's it's known for being shot in daylight. And, you know, usually horror movies are all... Oh, nighttime, but yeah. it's all shot in day. Ah, yeah. of course, sometimes it's day for night. Yeah, where it's shot in day, give the illusion of night. It, it's one of these movies that, for me, I feel like Parasite was much the same way, where everyone's already getting all amped up about it before they've even seen it, and they're like, "Okay, well, this is what all artsy fartsy people are agreeing to is the best film of the year." Hmm. And I, I don't know. There's there's a certain kind of movie that comes out that everybody just agrees, "Okay, this is going to be the great one." for this year and and it's, well parasite i found kind of disappointing it wasn't a bad movie it just wasn't what everybody was chalking it up to be hmm. i didn't think yeah i'm Here, sure other people would disagree with me but it wasn't bad but few movies really are very bad when you go back and look at some of the the shit from the 70s no offense i know that's your hey, era that's my era dude yeah but some of that stuff was really bad and and there is stuff that exists out there that's being made today that is almost unwatchable in much the same mm. sense, but you don't get that in in major movie theaters. Mm-hmm. You're barely seeing it on. You'll you'll see it on Amazon Prime somewhat. You know what I mean? What was the best decade for film? Oh, Whoa. what Why? a great question! I, I just threw you a curveball, didn't I? This is all, we're totally off the cuff, spontaneous. The best decade isn't that great? Because here we are starting a new decade. That's something. Well, let's break we that might down for a play second. play with that. <clears throat> I mean, I think a lot of people are going to say it's going to be things like the like 1940s thir- or 50s. 30s, well, 39 was a magical. But here's the problem. First of all, a lot of those films don't survive. You know, so they're they're all in silver nitrate, and we don't have copies of them. So it's hard to really examine. Right. And so much of that stuff was shit that was just created, and and it was bad, but it was just drawing people into the movie theaters. That's why they created it. You know, even the 50s stuff, people say, oh, there's these great films, you know, uh, what is it, From Here to Eternity? I don't right, know if that was right. in the 50s, but right. it was close to it. But that kind of thing, and you have these great, um, beautiful film noir films. But then you had a bunch of shit, too. Remember, you had, like, 
you know, the space aliens attacking from outer space. And it was really hey, bad. Hey, wait a minute. These are favorites of mine. These <laughs> that, bad that's probably the problem. science fiction black and white movies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But also in the 70s, even though you were a little bit <clears throat> critical of the 70s as a decade, there were some gems we there spoke were. about this no, I, no doubt. I think the 70s... They the, were flexing in my mind, muscles was, with... Yeah, with it, it, to, to me, the 70s has the biggest yes, disparity. Yes, agreed. Had, you had great stuff agreed. and you had awful yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the black exploitation films to me just are really... They're um, they're almost unwatchable. Right. It's like, True. what's going on? Yeah. This is confusing and boring yeah. and yeah. like corny and I just don't care. You'll have a great, you know, you got a great theme song. Shaft is awesome, but then I'm watching them going, I just, I don't, I don't care. Right. But then we have Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. There you yeah, go. Exactly. 70s, right. Exactly. So look at the juxtaposition. You know, wide a range. A great example of that yeah. is Omega Man, the Charlton Heston movie. Yeah. Because the first 10 minutes of that movie are riveting, where he's driving around downtown and he's got like the phones ringing and it's just silence, but the phone is ringing. Do you remember this? Where he's I do. just driving and driving and he, yes. he like, breaks into the uh the the store the car store and like steals a car and just hot rodding all around downtown but then the rest of the movie sucked yeah it was yeah. like this great setup and you're like this is gonna be awesome and then turn into this zombie thing you know like, i don't i don't care yeah yeah i don't know that's fun to think about decades best movies 80s mm-hmm. was was big you know you had a lot of over the top um movies like et and just kind of big mm-hmm mm-hmm what was the 90s? 90s 90s is where it starts getting a little bit more divided into like these subgenres. You know, you have I mean I guess they've always existed but they really started to become more interesting. You have like pulp fiction that kicks off a whole new wave right, of filmmaking, right. uh very violent filmmaking. You have this resurgence of actors who have been dismissed and that are brought back, people like John Travolta. Um yeah, I don't know. What do you think this new decade will bring us? Boy, I'm on a roll here with these great questions, aren't I? What do you think this new decade, we're only, what, what two weeks into it? That's a great question. It's going to bring us. I, I feel like it's going to be an extension of where, we're, where we've been for the past 10 years, which is a good place. I think we've gone really good. There's been some really strong innovation. It'll start that way. Don't you think? And then it might. Yeah, I'm just afraid that we're getting. We talked a little bit about it last week with Craig. It's getting a little too um, woke, you know, and and where even in this film, which I'm going to jump to very quickly. But in 1917, uh, there was a, a black guy and it felt I, obligatory. Robert. And it pulled better, me out of the whole movie. You, you, we, yeah. There's I'm a black the, guy yeah, in the middle of the yeah, war. Are you looking one. at my notes again? No. Are you looking at my notes? No, I can't we read your notes. The same. You can't read my notes. Yeah, interesting. All right. Um, yeah, any other movies for the... Uh, for the we can come back I, to this I conversation. Just, yeah, we'll come back to it. But again, finishing up with Faves, another movie I'm not familiar with, Ready or Not. Does that mean anything to you? Mm, I, I've never no, I don't think saw, I saw that. that. Rocket Man, we already said. Yeah. Knives Out. I didn't yeah, see that film. Okay. Did you feel it was one of the best? And then this person put down as his number one top favorite film of, of last year, Jojo Rabbit. I didn't see it. Did you? I did not. Now I wanted to. It's on my list. We got busy towards the end of the year. And, oh, uh, with what? <laughs> like what? a million other podcasts and parties and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and a, a ba- kid. And a baby. And a baby. Yeah. So, Plus, I've got the baby with, with Joanna. You know, Oh, like, that one too? Yeah. God, how many do you have? Uh, several. <laughs> oh, boy. I just got to keep them all. Yeah. 
yeah. keep the mamas happy. Mm, multiple mamas. Yeah. Um, Book Smart. Um, Avengers Endgame. Well, people say that was rather uneasy. I don't know. I, I'm, there's a soft spot in my heart for Ford v. Ferrari. And even though that wasn't in my top five. I'm surprised that was not your top five. I'm really kind of rooting for it in the Oscars. I'm hoping you that, are. Yeah. There's a there's a lot right with that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I still love what I said. It, technically, it's a period piece taking place in the 60s. We know that it felt like a 60s movie. Yeah. Which is a compliment to it. Absolutely. The way they used to make movies. Yeah. That's what I loved about it. Cool. Good. We thank our listeners for the cool. feedback. All right. Do we have any news today? Any? Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. Yeah. Should I do it? I'll kick off my shoes. Oh, no. It's blues. Oh, but that's All not right. even good. Well, okay. Yeah. No. You don't want... Says who? <laughs> Says who? You sent me a video a few days ago. Yeah. And it was. I love these videos. It's the same narrator, isn't it? The, it's the same guy narrating. Yeah. yeah, this is really good. It was all about trailers. Now, I want to say something to you. Robert and I saw our primary film together, but you got the 1917. Smar- 1917. You got the smarts, my friend, to show up 23 minutes after the quote start time. Yeah. You didn't miss a damn thing because there were more trailers. I was sitting by myself waiting for you to finally. You came in 25 minutes later. I was subjected to. I'm going to say close to a dozen trailers. It's the most amount of trailers I've ever seen. Anyway, there was a video you sent me, which is highly critical of trailers. Kick this off. Well, I think it was just kind of, it, it was pointing out that so many trailers are really kind of ruining our movie going experience. The way the trailers are cut, the way that uh, the, the things that they choose to show in the film really start to spoil that's right. Your movie going experience. That's right. And I know a lot of people really enjoy watching trailers. I get that. Um, and and there's a whole art to cutting them as yes. well. I've always felt like what would make a really good trailer would be a scene from the movie, but it's not in the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like something like a little action scene with our character, um, you know, like. Do you remember Clive Owen did some BMW commercials way, way back in the early 2000s where there were short films and they had um, like Guy Ritchie directed one and uh, John Frankenheimer directed one. And, and it was he was it was called The Driver. And there was a series of them. And there were all these little short films. And it was really kind of a commercial, an extended commercial for BMW. And it was released on like early YouTube or something like that. I don't know if you remember hmm. that or not, but I always felt like that would make a really good trailer for the movie which is a self-contained little story almost like a short and then you watch the short and you go oh i'm in i like these characters i like where this is going i and like the setup not in the actual but film. it's not in the movie you're not spoiling that's anything that's interesting yeah yeah or if you are going to spoil something just show the first couple minutes of the movie right right yeah the criticism of trailers again in this youtube video you had sent me was either that there's too much or too little of the storyline right. that's shared, and often it's it's really too much. But then they gave us a reason why that's happening. Robert, I love this, and I forgot all about this. The narrator. They used to have narrators out, deep In voice. World. And that's it. That that's guy. it. And people started mocking that. Mm-hmm. It became a parody. And I don't know when this happened, but they stopped including narrations in trailers. Isn't yeah. that true? Yeah. Trailers don't, don't have narrations anymore. anymore. When did they stop doing that? About Eight or ten years. Oh, I think it's further what, back. Than more that. than that. Yeah. More, it's so interesting. After it's my God, I haven't heard those voices in a long time. They're like these two principal uh, voice artists who would do that, right? And they were mocked. They were mocked on a Saturday Night Live and SCTV and all that stuff. They stopped doing it for well, that reason. It, the problem was they just got lazy, and 
I think that's the thing that the video doesn't really talk about, which is uh, that it just became formula and every movie would have the same in a world where and <laughs> they always begin the same way. And it's like, all right, we, if this is a romantic comedy. I don't know that we need a new world. It could be our world. And I, I think the, it's it's hard to write. It's hard to write the narration for that. It's hard to write a movie and also kind of be thinking about what scenes would be good for a trailer, uh, you know, to, to kind of depict what's happening here. And so much is shown through action and, and context that you don't get in a trailer. It's right. all trimmed down to, right. Right. you know, one to three minutes, maybe five minutes if you're lucky. And yeah. there's just not enough time to really explain what's going on. And right. you have to just show explosions really fast and that's it. And I think that's also why you see so much, um, so much of the the comedy trailers are always showing people getting hit in the nuts or hit in the head or something like that. Right. You see this like right a lot of the physical head trauma. Stick. Right. Right. And it, it's like okay, well, let's go for a cheap laugh. Somebody will chuckle, and maybe we'll get somebody in there to to watch this movie. But there's very little room for nuance. Yeah. So it's often misleading, yeah. or it's spoiler. Yeah. So they give away. Well, we're guilty of spoilers, aren't we? But that's part of our job. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like people know what they're getting into. And I, yeah. I don't mind so much about spoilers, but I think if you want to it's avoid them, you know how story. to you should know how to avoid them. And for me, it's not going to watch trailers. Right. I, I sometimes am left out of conversations because people will say something about a movie that's coming up and I'll have no idea what it is because I purposefully avoid trailers. I yeah. don't want to know what's going on until I walk into the theater. Right, right. I, I still haven't seen anything. I, I haven't watched the new Star Wars movie yet. I haven't had a chance to, but... I don't, I don't know anything that happens in that movie, I, and I've avoided all of that. I've avoided all the discussions. I've avoided any sort of spoilers. Not really that I care so much, but I just I never saw the trailer. I'm going to start going to movies 25 minutes after the quote starting time. Let me tell I'm you, serious. I'm if serious. there was, if if you could earn money on being able to time when to show up to a movie and not watch any trailers. I would be a very the wealthy king, person. You're the king of that. I'm telling you, because I slip in I know. at exactly the right time. And these assigned seats now, man, it's great. I know. I get nervous. They're by myself waiting for my buddy, my podcast buddy, my movie-going buddy. And I was about to send you a text saying, the movie's going to start. You're going to miss the beginning. Nah. But boom, all of a sudden, you come nonchalant, sauntering in. I'm telling you. Hi, bud. And you just sit down with me. Boom, the feature film starts. You know how they always, the last thing after the the all the previews is the little coca-cola yeah, yeah turn yeah, your yeah. cell phones yeah, off yeah. i don't think i've ever seen the beginning of that it's like i, I, so I always funny. just see the end of it you got it that's down. when i walk in you got it down yeah so thanks for turning me on to that video that youtube video sure, it was absolutely. and again that video had a lot of supportive information it showed lots of trailers blowing it and doing all the wrong things and being not so much misleading but telling too much about story giveaways yeah. it was giving away too much well, you know, and the flip side of that conversation is that maybe there are some people that, that like that out of a trailer, but I think real cinephiles, the people that don't want their movie-going experience to be spoiled by that, they're going to have to stay away from trailers. Right. Uh, right. They're going to have to learn to avoid them and learn where they are so that they can try to uh, watch the movie without that kind of, I, I don't know, that kind of predisposition to knowing what's going on. I'm going to take your cue and show up next time, 25 minutes after the starting time. No, you won't. You'll be there right hey, You know me too well. Good. All right. So. Anything else in the news? That, that's it for the news. Ira. Yeah. Yes, sir. We have. What do we have? A sponsor. Our sponsor. We have a sponsor. This is great. Who is it? 
Tell this us is the first time this we've had a time. real sponsor on the show. I'm excited. Hey, man. Yeah. Congratulations to us. And here's the good part. What's that? We both have used this company. We both have used the individual service. Yes. So who can speak better about this than you or I? So both of us yeah. uh, have had multiple. And I urged you a while back to get you all did. of your slides scanned because yeah. you yeah. had how many boxes Let me of just slides? interrupt. Remember the carousel slide trays? Yes. I had 140 slides on every tray. I had 103 trays. You had 103, 103 times 140. So I had about 12 or 13,000 slides. And this gentleman we're about to speak about scanned all of them. So, I, and I had multiple negatives from my family, like yeah. all of my baby photos, all of that stuff. Yeah. And I wanted all of it turned into digital files Absolutely. that I could share. Uh, and I've, I've been sending things back for Christmas. I sent uh, stuff to my mom and stuff to my dad. And you, know, you get those little frames that change photos all the time. You yes. load that up with yes. a bunch of baby photos from yeah. when you're a kid. It's great. How cool is that? So anyway, uh, if you go to AV Gear Guy, that's avgearguy.com. He has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media. He could do Betamax tapes, 8 millimeter films, negative slides, audio tapes. He can even do records. So if you have old records uh, and even floppy disks. And he does uh, all sorts of transfers at very competitive rates. Extremely competitive. Yeah. Very, very um, inexpensive and reasonable. And here's the great thing. You don't have to live in Los Angeles area. They accept orders from all over the United States. Just mention the name our name of our podcast, which is Antiwave. In case you didn't know what podcast And you get a 5% discount. All the prices are on his website. And you get 5% off. And please go to his website. Again, it's avgearguy.com. All right. Yeah. So let's take us into uh, Week in Review. Week in Review. And some are old, some are new. We now present the Week in Review. Who's going to go first? Um, you go first. I'll go first. Okay. All right. One movie that I want to talk about I saw this week um, is a new Bob Odenkirk movie called Girlfriend's Day. Have you seen this? No. No. Girlfriend's... Girlfriend's Day. Day. Yeah. Huh. It's on Netflix. It's oh. streaming. You are going to like it, Ira. First of all, uh, there's something I want to talk about with it. It's a great movie. It builds this whole world where Bob Odenkirk is a... He's a greeting card writer. And he gets fired. And it's very funny the way that the world is set up because everybody knows certain greeting cards as if greeting cards are this hot commodity. Like like the way that we talk about movies, they talk about greeting cards. They're like, oh, you wrote, uh, you know, you're you're my favorite wife or something like that. And they, they have this really great respect That's for greeting funny. card writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's all washed up and he's uh, he's been fired from his job and he doesn't have it anymore and he's a hack. But it turns into this film noir and they're – it's really interesting. He's everybody's trying to push him to write the, this new greeting card for Girlfriend's Day, which is a new holiday that has been created, and he's being pushed to to create it. But he's trying to figure out where, like, which organizations are trying to get him to do it, and they're they're willing to beat him up and uh, kidnap his new love interest and everything else. It's a very weird, strange movie, and they built their own little world, and it's great. One of the best lines of the whole movie is. Hey, everybody, be quiet. The governor's on TV. And they all rush over to listen to what the governor says because he's making an announcement on television, which, of course, no one would ever do. It's that kind of thing. Got this it. is very Got it. alternate reality. Here's what I really want to talk about. The running time on this is a little over one hour. And I think it's, it's a really interesting time we're living in because the means of distribution are changing so much now that we're able to create films 
that run the length of the story as opposed to arbitrarily stretching it out for an hour and a half or two hours just to meet, like I said, some arbitrary time that that movies have to be two hours. Well, no, they don't. And with Netflix and, and Hulu and Amazon, you can now watch films that are only an hour long because that's how long they needed to be. Come and they're not that. stretching out to an hour and a half because that's what theaters expect. Yeah, or it's, they can be three and a half hours. They can. They can be three and a half hours. And, uh, you know, Don't Fuck With Cats is a great example of that. Can't and wait to talk about I know. You, you watched it this yeah. week, so we're going to hear about yeah, that yeah, in just yeah. a minute. Um, and I, I think that's, that's really smart. And I think that's one of the best changes. You you asked what changes we're going to see this next decade. I think that's length, more of what we're going to see. Length, you're going to see short films that are 22 minutes. No, because that's a short. That's a version of television. You're going to see films that are eight minutes long. You're going to see films that are 37 minutes long. And you're going to see movies that are an hour and five minutes long. That's, and none of those are normal time slots. And that's healthy. Yes. That is so healthy because that's as long as it needs to be. Right. And you're no longer confined into yeah. this. It needs to be 90 minutes right, right. for a comedy and two hours for a drama. That's right. That's right. And and most movies will still adhere to those rules, mm -hmm. but you're going to start to stretch that More in different exceptions. ways. Yeah. Nice. Now, that's a good point for a change in this new decade. So I, I think that's, that's something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Anything else uh, that you saw this past week? Um. Yeah, I saw some other stuff, but go ahead. What do you got? Oh, you ready? Yeah. Once again, I just found myself watching the last 20 minutes of RoboCop. I know we've talked about this before. i got to say something to you. That last, the la what's your name, son? Murphy. And you know what happens? Uh -huh. They cut to black, and the word RoboCop comes up on the screen too large. Right. And that music, bum, 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 bum. It's like saying, it's so brazen, and it's like they're saying, this is what our movie is, guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And had a B-movie feel, but it's just so raw and like, bum, 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 bum. I just, I got to chill. The I really, music is great in that I, movie. The music is great in that film. I just love that movie. I saw a major chunk of the movie Long Shot. Do you remember that? And Is that, this the, the Seth Rogen? Yes. Yeah, and you know I what? I watched it. What? I watched it a and, couple weeks ago. And I really liked it. See, everyone liked it and it's gotten really sweet reviews, but I want to say something to you. What? In no universe which, would they be together. Yeah, can I you agree. go with on that? Yeah, I absolutely. couldn't get. I can't get past that because Seth Rogen is kind of a schlubby, likable. I'm sorry, what? A, what? a schlubby, schlubby, likable. What was he? A journalist or something? And Charlize Theron is is hot, and maybe I'm sounding a little bit cynical or narrow-minded or rigid, but I'm making the argument that in no universe will she be attracted to him. Can you see that point? Absolutely. Yeah. But you still love the movie. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was yeah. just a fun little yeah. silly comedy. That's what it was. Hey, another one I want to mention too. Something that was really a favorite of yours. I watched Lost in America. Lost in America? I love that. You that's know a what? great movie. I know it is. I know it is. And uh, I forgot that Gary Marshall has a major role in that. Remember, he's the casino boss. Yeah. When the, And he's just great in that film. And again, it's a send-up of Easy Rider. We mm -hmm. know that. And it makes fun of that whole in search of ourselves, in search of America thing. But the writing of that was so crisp. I just, in, I forgot that what's-his-name directed it. Your Albert hero. Brooks. Yeah, he directed that Wait, film. Wait, he's my guy now? You liked him a lot. Because you liked him in the Muse also, right? I did. I liked yeah. the Muse. So, yeah, I saw that. The last and final film that I want to talk to you about, mm -hmm. you, my friend, mm -hmm. have done it again. Here we go. I can rattle off probably four or five films that you've turned me on to, and I can't thank you enough. Movies including Enemy and also... Um, Prisoners. Thank you. 
Prisoners just swept me away. This is in the same category. And now I know why you put this film down as your number one. for. You had it as number one. I did. For last year, Don't Fuck With Cats. I was enthralled by this. And here's another perfect example. Netflix streaming, and it was actually in three chapters. So it was a long documentary. It was close to three hours. Right. Yeah, each chapter was about about one hour. And again, it's fascinating how we saw these two sleuths, if you will, uh, non-professionals using the internet to help nab a a, a killer. Start, he starts off with killing cats and then escalates, of course. And I appreciate this. Do you hear my daughter going know. bonkers hey, in the yeah, next room? Yeah, yeah, it's a, your kid yeah you know what thanks for having that baby it's really fucking up our podcast I know, right yeah yeah very professional here at cannonball Attack. i really appreciated this film on so many levels and there's a spoiler and you know what i don't want to discuss the spoiler i this is the one I can, time i can see what can you saying. appreciate that because there's an aha moment about the, the very end about the crazy guy's motivation i'm putting the word motivation in quotes because he was nuts but there was a legitimate motivation and it made sense, and it all pieced together in the last six minutes of this documentary. Yeah. And I don't want to say it right now. I don't want to do that to our listeners. I'm begging them to see this film, and then there's another level. There's another level. Yeah. And that is this, and it's something you, my friend, have articulated a number of times, and you get frustrated when there's feature films or anything on television that glamorizes or glorifies killers. Yeah. And uh, the, real killers, no, real not killers. fictional. You're right. I, I'm okay with fictional You're right, stuff. right. These biopics, right. the biopics that do that. And that very last line where this, quote, investigator, this this woman, and you wouldn't expect her to be a hero of a film, where she breaks the fourth wall, turns to the camera, and says, turn off the machine. In other words, she felt somewhat culpable, somewhat responsible yeah. for adding fuel to the fire of this. And that was an incredible message. But here's the part that I couldn't wait to tell you. The very film's existence itself is guilty of that message. Yes. Boom. It, what a mind fuck that was. It is. Hip, like, it's full of hypocrisy. Yes. But it's still fascinating yes yeah absolutely it's great thank i can see why you made it your number one for last year well i just i enjoyed the hell out of it i couldn't stop watching when it was when it was on tv it was it was really good i'm so glad you've seen it thank you so we can talk thank about you it. thank you so much yeah. thank you for finally watching it. Uh, i appreciate yeah, that yeah 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 now would you admit if you didn't like it of course i would because i I, I want to make sure that it's not you're not liking it just because your buddy is... You know me better than that. Okay, good. There have been films where we disagree, profoundly disagree. Yeah. Movies that you've even urged me to see. Okay, good. I didn't jump on it as much as you, but yes. Uh, you can tell, obviously, from my enthusiasm right here now yeah. that I got it. I got it on all, the different levels. Yeah. I got it. And I was enthralled. It was a fascinating... And that climax, and I'm fr kudos to us for not spoiling it. Yeah. Please, listeners... Watch this film. It's streaming on Netflix. Yes. Please okay. watch. Good. Let's do it. Yeah. You want to do it? Main film and Robert, talk us through it. 1917 centers on two soldiers who are tasked by the general of the British Army to send a message to the front lines of the, uh, of the English Army. And the, the front lines are going to attack very soon, but they don't know that. It's a trap that's been laid for them by the German. That's right. Uh, German army. German army has pulled back, and uh, apparently, no one in this movie ever wrote or read uh, the Art of War because you know that's kind of the whole point. There is like when you're in, when you're chasing, you're supposed to be anticipating some sort of double sneak attack. 
Uh, but the lines, the communication lines have been cut. And so these two soldiers are tasked with getting to the front. They have one day to do it before the uh, the big attack and the whistle is blown and, and everybody's going to run to the German front lines and get slaughtered. Well said. <laughs> I don't know if it was, but there's oh, something. Oh, it, it works for me. All right. What do you think? I liked this movie a you lot. You did like this movie. I did. I was trying to read your body language afterwards and driving back here to record with you. You did like it. I did. We had a few issues, and I we'll did. get to those. We'll there were some get issues. I liked yeah. this movie a lot. I did too, Robert. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that. Um, hard to believe it's the same director who did American Beauty. I, Is it the- I was thinking about that during the movie um, because it does not feel the same. Yes. And yet... I was also thinking this takes somebody who really knows what they're doing to pull off. There's there's a few challenges in this movie. All right, it should be noted that the movie is all gives the illusion of the all illusion. being in one shot. Obviously it's not. And even I would say it doesn't give the illusion of being one shot because there is a definite cut in the middle because our hero gets knocked out at that's one right, point right. and it I, does cut to black. And you knew it that was the So it it's, doesn't even truly give the illusion yeah. of just one shot. Yeah. yeah. But for all intents and purposes, the movie is all one big long take, and um, and yeah, I think not. Not only does the the movie have a a challenge from being directed, um, because of that, that's a huge complicated connection. You know, when one shot ends, you have to pick the next shot up. But also, it's complicated tonally. You got to make sure the performances carry over from one shot to the next. And you can't edit your way out of situations, which I actually think is kind of a problem. My my biggest issue with this movie is that the gimmick of it all being one shot. And you're using the word gimmick, and I was gonna. Are you reading my notes again? I, I am. I was gonna ask about right the now. word about the word gimmick. Was it a gimmick? The, I would say it's a. gimmick. We've talked here. about this a couple of years ago. The word gimmick has a negative connotation, doesn't it? But I do feel it was a gimmick, but it was a very impressive gimmick. Well. Or maybe it, it was an impressive gimmick, but maybe. I don't feel like it. I feel like it was distracting to the story. It the was. story could have been told, I think, better without that gimmick. However, I loved watching the gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the gimmick has been done uh, not a lot, but it's been done a few times, right? And very impressively. And this is yet another addition to that very right. impressive uh, one take. Movie. How many other can you name other films that have done this? I can, but yeah. I don't want to get there yet because that's our top five. Eh? Well, actually, not necessarily. Long well, takes, which is slightly different from continuous shot. But okay, all right, all right. Yeah, they so, yes, I think there are a number of movies that have done that and and yeah. done it well. And this is another one, and and I like watching it. Um, but I I felt like after a period of time, they really should have cut. They could have improve the quality of the movie well here's my so. question did the quote gimmick pull you out of the movie and make you aware you're watching a movie several times yes because i think one time you did say how did they get remember you kind of nudged me a little bit when he went into the, the water or something the camera tracked through it was just you're aware and you're wondering how the cinematographer is getting these shots right it almost pulls you out right and i think that's a problem yeah yeah i also think you don't have a choice to get rid of certain scenes. <laughs> Soderbergh would be rolling over in his grave right now. I mean, his whole premise is about cutting and, and trying to find new ideas and new juxtapositions. One of my other issues with the movie is the whole scene with the French woman. So uh, our hero, I say hero because 
uh, I don't think I'm spoiling too much. Right. There are two soldiers that are, are sent, and halfway through, one of them dies. It's not too much of a spoiler because you don't know which one is going to die. Ooh, good point. Uh, but the one who does survive uh, the initial killing, he winds up about halfway through the movie hiding out in a French house with a woman who has a baby. That whole scene should have been cut. It had no business being in the movie. It it just stalled things. It was like, what what are we doing here? It would have been so much better if we just we got we're on a mission. We we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta go. You're reading my mind. That's because I did feel it's a little bit long, a little bit long. Yeah. And that's one sequence that we didn't need. But here's the problem because it was one continuous take. If that wasn't there, there might be a little jump chop. But I think with optically, they could probably massage that and make it look continuous flow. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But yes, I, I agree with you about that. Um, by the way, Mendez, uh, we mentioned American Beauty, but let's also acknowledge that he's he's an accomplished play director. You know, he did a lot of plays on Broadway also. I don't know if you knew that. And just very impressive with his his list of stuff that he did. We've got to acknowledge the cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken about Roger Deakins before, and he's he's quite incredible. I'm I'm begging our listeners to Google him and look at his his filmography. What he's did is very, very impressive. Uh the Cohn brothers, almost all the Cohn brothers, right. uh, including um uh, the remake of, of True Grit. The right. B- yeah, that, that's that was a gorgeous photography. And Google this guy and see what he's done. And he did win the Oscar. He's, for... He shot every movie you've ever seen. <laughs> he's done everything. He has done everything. He won the Oscar for uh, Blade Runner 2049. I think that's the year 2040. Right, yeah. And I don't know if he deserved it. So it was for his body of work and mm-hmm. they felt it's time to give it to him. But um, do you feel he'll be nominated for cinematography another oscar probably and he might even win because it was quite an accomplishment even though it pulled us out of the story it was a little bit uh distracting too aware of camera Mm -hmm. yeah yeah what were you gonna say no i I was just on board with what you're saying yeah yeah so kudos to the cinematographer obviously and the actors and the music you're the music i like the music the music did a uh okay so the music to me wasn't memorable. It was just kind of it there. Fit. Yeah, I thought it was well placed. There was one part of the the movie that I thought it was exceptional, which is when the two soldiers are together. One of them has been stabbed and is dying, and as he's dying, um, the other one is holding him, and the music hums. And when the one actor dies, that's when the music cuts out. So we're left just hearing the sounds of fire in the background right. and we're just it's very empty all right. of a sudden right and the music really helped this guy die right and that was well done yeah i really i thought it was tasteful but i didn't really notice the music too much mm. i was aware of it i did think the lady really gaga too. music in the middle felt a little well, out of yeah, place yeah i love that song anyway but it was also well i didn't mean to jump ahead to money shots but there was an incredible shot where it was at night, I guess, and bombs were still going. It's ethereal and almost yes. beautiful with the red. And that's where you see, all right, Deacons. Uh, Deacons okay. is are you talking magic. about the flares that are going up as he's running through the, oh. the bombed out building? Is that what you're talking about? Nighttime? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's one of my money shots. That whole sequence. You're reading my notes again. That whole sequence yeah. is beautiful. I know. I know. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really, really well put. It's together. a spectacle. It's a spec. It's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you did like it. I did. Problems with it. I, I think I already mentioned a couple of the problems. I felt like the 
the whole French girl with the baby was right. no good. I felt um, the gimmick, while I like it, I like watching it, I don't know that it really needs to needed be it. there. Didn't need it. Um, what other problems did we have with it? I don't know. Well, uh, I can articulate yeah. one. For this real important assignment, why would the head oh. honcho send two people? <laughs> two. Two. Oh, but Ira, they, they addressed that with a line of dialogue. I know, but that line of dialogue was a way to wiggle out of this issue. And yeah. it, was, it was like, well, you know, one person, more stealth-like, and your chances of getting okay, through Okay, so send great, 50 okay. groups of two. Send, that's right. Let 50 groups have paired off, paired off, paired off, that wouldn't that dramatically increase? They should have sent out dozens of people. Didn't he say that 1,600 men are yes. going to be killed? So you're going to send two people? Or was people? it 16,000 or however many it like was? Like that matters? 1,600, 16,000? Yeah. doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's a huge number. You're sending two people out to, on this mission? Why don't you send dozens and dozens? Or Your odds of one person getting through are greater. Carrier pigeons. They were using them at the time. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of ways yeah. that you can. Do they have radios? Do they have transmitters? Do they have? Well, I don't know if this war, if this particular group did, but I would think that they would. Do they have it at that time period? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. They did say the telephone lines were cut. They did say that. Uh, was, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I, you don't need all that, but they need it for the film to work. There you go. There you go. So that did bother me. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, that that was a problem, right? But if you buy into the premise, if you just go, okay, I'll, I'll dismiss that. It's a really good film. It's well put oh, together. Oh yeah, yeah. The opening, not the opening scene, but the the opening first moment of of warfare where we're going through the trenches, and the guys are are stealing themselves to go over the top and into no man's land for the very first time, and then they. They go into no man's land. It's very muddy and and murky, and this whole idea of of trying to slither through the the front lines and the the cut barbed wire, all of that, I was riveted. I was really really into it. Right, that was like the first uh, the first third of the movie. Right? Yeah, yeah, on the setup. And it was also yeah. interesting. I kind of leaned over to you at one point and pointed out that it wasn't until about halfway through That's the movie right. that the first bullet was fired. How no one that? fired any bullets. And that? for a war movie, that's pretty unusual that you don't see any bullets being fired until, uh, I mean, about halfway through. Yep. How about that? Piece of trivia, too. The, the Great Escape. I read this someplace that only six bullets are fired in that war movie in The Great Escape. Yeah. You think about it, the same thing. And so, yeah, interesting. We reacted the same way to the. There were two scenes with an African American gentleman in twice, and I thought, well, were they sprinkled. Was there in? another scene? Were there two? We had that slow pan in, right? Where the singing. It was the where they were singing. Yeah. So was that the only time? Toward the end, another one. And there's a group of soldiers that are all sitting around listening to another soldier sing a song, and there's this big push, and they go right past a black guy, which felt very forced. It felt like, oh, there were some black people that were here too, and. Okay, maybe there were. I don't know. Maybe there were. Maybe there were. Overwhelmingly, they're white. And why are we pushing in right past this guy? That's it's right. trying to call That's attention right. it was, to itself. It was very, going very tight shot. It was very like, yes. there were black long, people. Long zoom in and it held right, on that right. right I know. Right, right. Yeah. Yet on Ford versus Ferrari. We get it. Ferrari, we get it. You got to have a black person there. On Ford versus Ferrari, we were complimenting them, of course, to make the choice. Where there were because we're racist. Well, it sounds that way, doesn't it? <laughs> no, but it's trying to be period correct. Right, right. And there, I just don't know that uh, this this movie is in love with itself because 
it, it felt very proud to have a black person there, which is actually pretty racist. When you stop and think, like, we need a black person here. That was a conscious decision. Yes, absolutely. It was not, it, it wasn't, hey, everybody just have a seat and we're going to push around. Oh, there happens to be a black person sitting there. That's not what, what was yeah. going on. It yeah. was, we need, a, we need to work a black And again, man it was emphasized that a slow pull-in, slow pull-in where uh, he was one of two or three people. Well, I'm surprised we didn't have somebody, a transgender person too. Like, Come on. <laughs> Yeah. Were there any women? Oh, I guess it was the French woman. The French woman was that. Maybe that's why. Yeah, there were no other women. Other than that, I guess the, there were no the women baby movie. was a female. Oh, there you go. So it was like two women. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, and that's also why it felt until I, I didn't think about it until right now. But that's also kind of why that scene felt forced. It. Why is there a woman in the middle of this war movie, and they're they're shoehorning her in? Yeah, it served no purpose. It wasn't necessary. Uh, he gave the mother food and milk for the uh, for the child, and that was it. I'd love to see you and you and me doing this Imagine as two Wait, soldiers. We're on a mission. We're on a mission. <laughs> We've got to save either sixteen hundred or sixteen thousand. We don't know how many it is, but they're counting on us. Do you know which direction is southwest? I don't. Do you have a compass? <laughs> uh, my back hurts. If I gave you a compass, you wouldn't know how to use it. It's really cold out. I like how in the beginning of this movie, in the beginning of 1917, you do have one guy who is essentially doing that. Like, maybe we should wait. Let's wait till nighttime. Yes. That's totally you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And then, you know, when you get to the French woman, you're going to be like, what's up, babe? How you doing? Yeah. There's always time for some loving. You want to have some dinner? Dinner? Oh, you want to dinner? I got a big sausage for you. You know, I the story obviously is gorgeous to look at. It was it was a spectacle and damned impressive. We 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 certainly know that. Um, as far as the story, the story it was a little bit it was a little bit like Saving Private Ryan ish, yeah. and even for me it was a little bit like Apocalypse Now, going on the journey down the river. You know, yeah. And it reminded me of both of those two films. I definitely felt that uh, that same kind of thing of of what's the. Apocalypse Now is kind of based up. What's the the author? Oh, Heart of Darkness. Conrad. 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 Yeah, just but he, you know, the whole every man's journey yes, kind of thing yes, and all yeah. of that. Yeah, and it definitely had that feel. It, to it did. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So, was this a good movie? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely, it was a good movie. And I think yes. I would actually watch this movie again, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I would pay real close attention if it was on in the background. I'd be like. I'd oh have yeah, it on cool. the background. Yeah. Hey, it'd be easier to see this movie again than than last week's uh, Uncut, Uncut Gems. Gems. Remember, we agreed we'd never want to see that movie again. <laughs> There's a part of me that kind of wants to see it again now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Uncut Gems was really good. Yeah, but we, well, yes, but so Cats. Come on. Well, you didn't see Cats yet. Oh, how so, do you know? Did you? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'd like to see this movie again now. Money shots. Let's talk money shots. Money shots. Yes. Well, we already shared one of them. And yes. That, that incredible with the night sky. When and the he's running glow. down the street and these flares are going off overhead, he's evading people firing at him, sprinting. Uh, both uh, and, and the way that the shot is done is very clever because he's running away from the camera and then also toward the camera. Right. So it kind of comes around him. Yes. Yes. It, it gets both ends of him running. Um, really well done. Beautiful sequence. Yes. For me, another money, big money shot is when they are in no man's land and they have this, they're going through this crater and they're trying to get up um, over the German side of no man's land. And they're having to go through this kind of barbed wire fence. 
and the camera swoops down and there's this the whole crater is covered with water and they're trying to climb around the crater to get out and i don't know how they got that shot because um, i guess it's all one big shot but the, the i swear the camera was an inch off the water right and I guess they had to have a techno crane that kind of extended out, but did this beautiful swooping right, maneuver. Right. It wasn't a drone shot, but it might as well have been. It was really gorgeous. I wonder if they used a drone in. Any I was of the just shots. thinking that, think and I'd did? like to do a little research and find out. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the movie wasn't shot in one take. Right. That's like saying, hey, let's film a movie. You guys have two hours and 12 minutes. Let's just do the whole movie this afternoon. Well, I mean, there are some movies that are shot that way. Yeah. Well, I'm going to. It's not on my it's list. On your li- it's no. not on my list, but have you seen Time Code? No. So Time Code was actually four cameras all running at the same time and uh they it it took them a day to shoot and they basically they were four cameramen. They had kind of rehearsed where they were going to go. That's crazy. And what's really interesting is that like the uh, three-fourths of the way through the movie there's an earthquake. And all of the cameras react at the same time as the earthquake. Now, it's a fictional earthquake. It's not a real earthquake. Right. So I'm assuming there was some sort of buzz timer that went off or whatever, but they all kind of happen at the same time. So you're watching all of these stories that are taking place. And it's kind of a cool little trippy idea. Um, and, you know, you have different scenes that overlap at times and that are interacting with each other and, uh, you know, different, different dialogue that's taking place at different times. It's interesting. an interesting idea. Wow. And that's not your top five. No. No, no, it's not. Yeah, so I'm, money shots, look, I can also make the argument. This reminds me of last week when we were talking about money shots when I said uh, Adam Sandler's face is yeah. a money shot, which is kind of a cheat, but throughout the, that face of his really stayed with me. In this film, I can make the argument, you'll probably think it's a cop-out. The whole film is a money shot. Yeah, Do you know what, what you I mean? Can you yeah. appreciate well, the spirit? Well, it is all one shot. It is all one shot, literally. But the spirit of what I'm trying to say, that yeah, it's really a spectacle. Mean. It's something to see throughout the entire film. I was really touched when the guy died, his buddy. Yeah. And I thought that was quite a moment. Uh, we've seen the scene a lot before. This was quite powerful, the death scene. And right before that, there was an airplane that crashed through the barn that yeah, was really That's Yeah, they showed that a lot too. in the trailers. Right. I think right. one of the other things that will stay with me is the book ending with the opening shot on these this very peaceful meadow and our, our guys leaning against a tree. And it's bookended because the last shot is a peaceful meadow that's and right. our guy leaning against a tree. That's right. That's right. And I think that's, that's it's really right. nice. That, those, that was not lost on me. Yeah. I actually got that too. Yeah. So... Gorgeous to look at. Is it anti-wave? You ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Question. Was there a traditional three-act structure in this film? No, I don't think so. I thought maybe that the buddy's death, I thought maybe could have been the beginning of act two. Maybe, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I think it was quite linear without the traditional three-act structure. Well, we kind of know, I mean, from the very beginning, if one of us dies, the other one's got to carry on. That's already set up. So I'm not sure. I I don't know. I think we're really shoehorning a a three-act structure onto this because there's, it's very much like a, a road movie. You know, it's, it's yeah. them coming into contact with all these other people along the way for just brief moments in the time span of the movie and then carrying on. Well, Joseph Campbell would love this film. Yeah. Yeah. I, by the way, I do love the one uh, general or colonel, whoever it was that came in contact with him and said, hey, listen, when you tell 
the the general at the end, if you get to him, you need to tell him in in front of other people. A witness, a witness. Witnesses. Explain that. Because he said that some people just like to fight. And if you tell him, hey, you're going to be sending these men in, some people would be like, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyway because I want to go to battle. And you saw the reaction of the dude at the very end. Yeah. He wasn't thrilled about this when he got the message. I don't think that it was it was that. I don't think it was what the guy earlier was talking about, although right. it could have been. Well, didn't he actually turn to our messenger hero and say, and fuck off? Didn't he say that? Yeah. Isn't he that did, but I, I think it was more of like, get out of here i've got more shit to do right and you're of no use to me you're uh you know piddlywinks here yeah but even it, it, okay if it was set up that emotional connection it was a little uh it was too heavy-handed but if it wasn't i like it i like just the idea of the, the message that some people like to fight right yeah. right absolutely yeah anti-wave mm, we're gonna give this a low anti-wave score on paper, it should be. On paper, it's all one shot. Uh, it's anti-wave. It's, it doesn't have this typical structure. There's no real stars to speak of. I mean, right. you've got a couple of stars who come in um, who we recognize. Do we? Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Isn't that? That's right. That's right. He was in this movie, wasn't he? But just he? for a minute, you know? And yeah. yeah. You got some people that are coming in briefly but no real stars to speak of and but the and the director and the dp yeah and it's british <laughs> okay let's do the question who's the protagonist of the story well, obviously one of the, the one soldier the, guy what, the one, i can't remember lives, his name yeah whatever his name is uh does he succeed at the end robert yeah he gets he, what he wants he gets what he wants boom that's not very anti-wave is yeah. it Mine. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, there you go. He he gets what he wants at the end. Now, I'm surprised you didn't pitch this yet, but there's an I have a, an idea for how this could have been very, very anti-wave. We follow him on this long journey, and at the end, either the head honcho in charge doesn't listen to him and still sends the troops to their death, or our hero just dies shooting the rapids. He just dies, dies. and the movie ends. Well, And there's a part of you, there's this part of you that's actually saying, I you know what? I would have liked that. What I thought was going to be awesome is okay. So he's <laughs> running from the Germans. He jumps in the river. He rides the river rapids. Yeah, yeah. He gets out of the river and he sees the forest that he's been looking for. Yeah. And he wa- gets up and starts walking through this yeah. forest. And there's all these soldiers there. Yeah. And I thought, how awesome of an ending would it be if the what soldiers. soldiers- thought that he was a german robert, and shot him robert, and killed him this bothered me that why you think they'd have a guard because there's still enemy troops in this area yeah even though it's green and it's lush and the whole tone of the movie has changed like this is now peaceful right but you would think there'd be guards there and i really thought this crossed my mind that one of the while they're singing this beautiful hymn that one of the soldiers would turn to our hero and blow his brains out because they've got this guy coming up behind him and they think he might be an enemy that'd be awesome That'd be a great ending. <laughs> we should remake this movie. Nineteen seventeen, part two. No, but I was really thinking that in the movie theater. I'm like, I, that would be a really cool ending. But of course, well, I'm, they I was wondering why the soldiers weren't more startled mm. to see this new guy. Nobody knew who he was. That they would reach for their arms, you know, when he appeared. Okay, 
Yeah. So, anyway, what's what score? Where are you? Where are you going to go on this? I'm going to say six. You are. I'm going to say six. I'm going to say it's slightly more anti-wave than isn't. Yeah. That's a little. But I can't give it more than that, even though it should. And I liked it. I thought this man. I feel like the course of this podcast, I've talked myself out of liking the movie. Um, I enjoyed this movie. I it was a solid hit for me, and I would watch it again. Yeah, yeah. But absolutely, there's something that just is a little lacking, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is. Anyway, scale five point two for me. You're okay. giving it a six. I'm giving it a five point two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Who died this week? Ah, are you saying it's time for? Gotta tell you, unfortunately, we must the following people they didn't turn to dust. Here we go. Forty-five-year-old uh, Sylvia Horta. She was American. Not uh, Sylvia Horta. Yeah. Oh, by the way, no, not so. By the way, it's a guy. Sorry. He oh. American film television um, writer. He did. Um, That's Silvo. Horta. I know. Jake 2.0, Urban Legend, Suicide by Gunshot. Wow. Ed Burns, Cookie Cookie, Lend Me Your Comb. Yeah. 87-year-old American actor. And I thought, how can I justify? And we know for 77 cents this trip. Aha, the movie Grease. Grease, buddy. Grease, yeah. of course. And that's probably how a whole other generation knows. He played like a Dick Clark yeah. like guy in, in Grease. And I, I got to tell you, I'm quite a bit older than you. And when 77 cents this trip, and that, I have the 45. Cookie, Cookie, Lend Me Your Comb. And I was at dances where they'd play that and we the guys would put a comb through our hair imitating ed burns i know i know but you never danced with girls yeah, though, that's right? true i'll leave with the guys it's just you in the corner yeah. by the punch bowl uh, yeah yeah that was me ivan pass passer p-a-s-s-e-r 86 year old czechoslovakian uh, you got film director but he did cutter's way do you remember that film he he directed no. that. You don't know if with Cutter's no, Way in the nineteen eighties. Uh, Born to Win and Silver Bears, and we also lost Neta Armanovic, a, a Serbian actress. She was in Shaft, Shaft in America. America. Couldn't wait to mention that. Corners, corner. This is going to hurt, my friend. Hey, hold on. Before you say it, I'm about to get emotional. I know. I know. Before I you really do, am. did you yeah. hear uh, Neil Pert died this week? Who? The drummer from Rush. And I thought about this, and obviously it's he's not, not a film, yeah, he's not a film guy, guy, but I know. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, that hurt, huh? And you know what was interesting? I don't know if you heard about that, but he Dude. died on Tuesday, but they didn't announce his death until, like, Friday. So there was a period of time where, you know, just the, the family and the, the close friends Why knew. do people wait? I'm not sure. What, why, what's the motivation? It's happened quite a few times where it wasn't announced till a week later. What's the big secrecy? I don't get that. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. But, you know, he's known as being one of the best drummers right. ever. I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Who's your spotlight? You know, I'm, we're going to get serious here. Okay. A disadvantage of getting older is losing either close friends or people I've admired mm-hmm. throughout my life. We lost Buck Henry. Yeah. Buck Henry, 86-year-old American actor and screenwriter. And, of course, we know him for The Graduate. He co-wrote The Graduate and was nominated for... With uh, Mike Nichols? Uh, no, no. Called no? Call, uh, Callingham. Callingham. Now, the... Is Callingham still alive? No, he died. I checked. Oh. I checked all this stuff. So both screenwriters of The Graduate are dead. And so is the director, Mike Nichols. No, he's Fuck, not. Fuck, they're... Yeah, see, they're all dead. Yeah. Mike Nichols didn't die. You know that. Yes, did he, he die? Died about a year and a half ago. Oh. You weren't listening to my corners corner. No, nah, I don't listen. I know. I, don't I usually check you. out. He also Who's dead this week? Wait. He also uh, uh, co-did uh, Get Smart, of course. A lot right. of television. Heaven Can Wait. He co-directed that with Warren. Warren Beatty. And he was nominated for uh, an Oscar 
he didn't win an Oscar, mm-hmm. but this guy wrote The Graduate. I just want to say real fast that uh, long his long career, he started with the Steve Allen show, went on to Got Smart, Saturday Night Live. He was the first person to host 10 times Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. So how that. about that? So he died, and along with him, we're going to share the Silver Spotlight Award with Rick Kirk. Who? Dead. Douglas. Who? Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas? Gone. 103. It's about time. Wow. I know. So it's a hard week because we lost Buck Henry and Kirk Douglas. Man. Yeah. All right. They're dropping like fri- flies, my friend. Like fries? Dropping like fries. <laughs> like McDonald's French fries, fries at the bottom fries. of the bag. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, hey, man. Yeah. Uh, let's do some top five. Ah, and hit it, Vern. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right. Our top five this week is top five, one, Long ten- non- not, not one shots. Not one. Long shots. Long shots. I'd like to say a few things before it gets started. Okay, go ahead. You know, I want to share this with you. Yeah. In a conventional movie where there's a long shot when it's not optically altered, mm-hmm. I get anxious. I Do get you? Yes, watching it because if the shot goes on for a few minutes and I'm worried if it's like a war scene, there's an extra who like flinches or does something <laughs> and I'm thinking they're going to fuck up the entire scene. I'm, I get tightly wound watching a long shot hoping that no one fucks it up. And that's something that I've always been aware of. That it's interesting. I react that way. It's that a is little, interesting. It's a little bit of heightened anxiety for me. And let me just share that there is that Anna Kendrick, who I like a lot, and she did that song, the Cups song. You're gonna miss me when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a video, music video. That song, by the way, was in two of her Pitch Perfect movies. And it's one long shot. And sure enough. If you, it all takes place at a restaurant and everyone's doing the cups, you know, the cups, the thing, the cups. And there's one person who kind of fucks up the cup just slightly where he doesn't quite mesh and turn him upside down in sync. And then on, on YouTube, everyone was giving this one poor schlub such a hard time. They're all saying it's four minutes and 13 seconds in. And of course I went and sure enough, the guy's slightly out of sync. So I get tightly wound and anxious. That's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> That's not my old neurotic, obsessive, compulsive way. These long shots, can I mention one more thing before we dive into yeah. this? And that is this. A lot of them aren't really, really long shots because they've been optically... That's true. It is true. But I go with and the spirit of it. You go with the spirit of it. Yeah. Does it take away some of the magic? A little bit? Yeah. A little bit? Maybe. It does for me. Maybe. Those are my points. Are we going to overlap? I hope we don't. I hope we don't too, but I think we will. Oh, do you have one in particular that one you think? One in particular. Now I'm really curious. And it's my number five. So let me let me see if we're going to overlap. Good segue. Good segue into kicking it in. Number five. Go. From 1958. Um. Uh, no. Oh. Yes. That's oh. my number. Oh. That's interesting. We both. You're right. Yeah. You're predicting we're right. Touch of evil. Yes. Yes. What a great opening. Man, that... I fucking love. The... Of course, you know this shit, but I love that you know this. I've said this to you before. Oh yeah, you know that opening. All right, you well, talk. You talk. Part this of the good. reason why he shot it that way was so that the studio couldn't fuck with it, and and he was also the, the as the story goes, he uh, word got back to the studio that he was way behind, and everyone because he was doing this one long take, and he was um, he was putting all of the scenes together. And shooting it, and the studio was like, oh my gosh, he's gonna, uh, he's way, way behind. And so they flew down there, and then they shot it, and then they were way ahead on, on schedule. 
uh, because they had done it all in one take. And by the time they get there, he's like, oh, no, we're actually ahead of schedule. And they were like, yeah, fuck off. Robert, describe the shot. Describe Um, it to us. It's uh, with Charlton Charlton Heston. And it's the Mexico border. And it just kind of sets up the whole movie. And there's a bomb. Yes, the very beginning. And we we know there's like a, a ticking time bomb. Uh, that's set to go off and we're there it's filled with anticipation the whole time you know that there's this bomb that's going to explode am i I not doing a good no you're doing a great job yeah and there is an explosion at the very end at the very end of that that's kind of what signals the cut yeah that's right that's right that signals the cut and just the way the whole thing is orchestrated on this giant crane i think it was on a crane following charlton heston and Janet Lee, I think, is it Janet Lee? I can't remember. Blonde, I think. And it was just so well choreographed with the Mexican music in the background. Right. Going, I, I watched it again on YouTube and compiling it's my beautiful. list. It's beautifully shot. And again, so impressive. And this was early in 1958. Uh, and it was not, we can assume it was not optically altered that it was shot Oh, that, that was way. shot Yes, legit. yes. You yeah. can just feel it. Nice. What do you got? What's your number five? My number five, we're going to disagree on. You're oh. going to roll your eyes because I know you're not fond of snake eyes no not oh. of, of musicals but i want to say something to you again i brought up a similar point when we do our top five there are other top fives that i could have included that are more elaborate more complex but they're not my favorites mm. and this is something i, I wrestled with that others are quote better i'm putting that in quotes but I have an emotional reaction to this. You don't like musicals, but I'm putting this down for my number five, the opening of La La Land. Uh-huh. Go, I know, I know. No, I know. you know what? No, it, uh, here's what I would go. say. Yes. I would say I, I could actually see that and I can respect it because I'm not crazy about the movie. The movie wasn't bad, it was okay. But the beginning, that was really something. Yes. And it was really a nice, well done moment. Yes. And I, in my list, I tried to. I don't like Touch of Evil as the whole movie. It's not bad. It's all right. It's kind of slow, actually. But the opening yes. is incredible. So yeah. I went for the shots and how they, how how the, the shots themselves either impacted the rest of the movie or were just so beautiful in and of themselves. So I can appreciate La La Land. Thank you. Thank you. I thought was, you were going to be a hard time. 2016, they had 100 dancers. They shut down. By the way, it's, it was shot very close to here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm, we, I'm aware. 105 and the 110 freeways yep. yeah and it's an incredible homage in the beginning a, a it's in the carpool lane yes it was the carpool lane because that was the agreement they made with the city that right. they shut down yeah they weren't happy about that but it's an incredible opening with the dancing and the music and it sets the vibe and the tone for the whole film for yeah. me so thank you for not giving me too hard a time for my number five no uh my number four is from 2014 no. birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance yeah You've seen it. What an underappreciated film. Go ahead. (laughs) And didn't it win Best Picture? Or at least got nominated. I can't remember. I don't think it won, but it was... It's oh, he didn't win. That's what bothered us. That's what it was. That's what it was. He still hasn't won an How about that? Go back to the founder. (sighs) Another film. Add that to the list of movies you've turned me on to where I can't thank you enough. Sorry. Go ahead, Doc. Birdman is great. Yeah. And when I saw it for the first time, I was just so floored. And there's so many really great moments in that movie. And uh, here it is. You know, it's it's been five years since I've seen it. Because I saw it when it first came out. And it's now 2020. Wow. Uh, it came out at the end of uh, 2014. So it's actually been six years. And I haven't seen it since. And I definitely have my money shots. I have, um, like, the, the 
some of the opening scenes where he's kind of in the dressing room. My favorite is when he gets kicked out, uh, locked out of the back of the theater, and he has to walk around through Times Square in his underwear. His underwear. Such great, great humor. Yes, yes. It's a really interesting movie, all done in one shot, and it jumps forward in time, which is really interesting. You don't see that with most one-shot movies where it's jumping forward months or even weeks. Right, right, right. Nice. I had a feeling that would be on your list. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it's a scoop of mine. Okay. Yeah, of course. Nice. What's your number four? My number four is Boogie Nights. Okay. However, it's not the scene. I ran this. Not the opening? It's, it is the opening. Oh. Because a good friend of mine, when I said I'm going to put Boogie Nights, he said, oh, you mean the end with the firecrackers going back and forth, the camera swirling around? No, it's the opening. That opening for me. Just, again, it's the emotional wow for me. And I've actually gone down to the intersection here in the San Fernando Valley at that nightclub Mm -hmm. where they shot it on on Reseda and Sherman Way. And the camera swoops out of the sky, comes in an angle, and we see the limo pull up in front of the club. And that's where Burt Reynolds gets out of the limo, tracking shot. We follow him inside the club. And there's Roller Girl. We see all the main characters. He goes to different tables. He kibitzes. It sets up the movie with this great music vibe. I love the opening of that film. That's my number four. You know, another, another uh, this is similar to what I had said before about Touch of Evil, uh, but it's my understanding that P.T. Anderson put it together that way in order for the studio to not change the title of his film. Have you heard that that story? No. Because I think he originally wanted to call Hard Eight something else, and then it got changed to Hard Eight. He wasn't happy with the title. So he shot Boogie Nights in that way very complexly and ends on Boogie Nights. It ends on the title. That's right. And it does that so that they can't they alter can't fuck with the title. The, yeah, That's the title of the yeah. movie. And he wanted to make sure that he got the title the way that he wanted it. That's great. I love that opening. It goes on for quite a few minutes, all in one camera swoop. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that was a legitimate one shot. Probably. And not optics. Yeah, yeah this is before pre-digital. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. My number three is a movie I don't know if you've seen. It's from 2019. It's a movie called 1917. Have you seen this movie? It's familiar to me. Isn't it about the Civil War? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But oh, no, Spanish-American War. I I was wondering if you were going to include I did it on you did put it yeah, on the list. I, yeah yeah uh, I adjusted and yeah I, you did adjust yeah. I think this movie pulls it off well as we talked about earlier I agree maybe I should change my list <laughs> What's your number three uh, My number three is you're not surprised to hear this I think you're going to assume that I would include this one as well in 1992 an Altman film mm. The Player The Player Okay yeah. the opening Remember the opening shot yeah. with Buck Henry. Oh, Buck yeah. Buck Henry was in that. The camera, Robert, swoops. It goes. Yeah. It, Buck Henry is pitching the graduate part two. That's what he's pitching to the executives. I don't remember that. Yes. I remember he's, him being in it, but I yeah, don't remember what he yeah, was saying. Yeah, he's pitching the graduate part two. He's saying, it'll be great, I tell you. Mrs. Robinson, she, I don't know if she's dead. It doesn't matter. And he's like pitching it frantically. That's so And funny. the camera is swerving. And again, it, it's setting up It's the going whole... from like conversation to conversation, Yes. Right? Yes. It's it's a great opening shot. Um, it goes on. Here's my stats for you: seven minutes and forty-seven seconds. Wow, that's a long, long shot. That is. Yeah. All wow. right. My number two is from 1993, Carlito's Way, and the sequence where Al Pacino leads the bad guys into Union Station, and it's incredibly complex, and it's all done with one shot, 
where he is evading those guys that are after him. Do you yes. remember what I'm talking about? And there's like yes. the, the fat guy who's a little bit further behind and he is laying down on the escalator to try to get by them. It's an incredible sequence. And it's most people I don't think even realize that it's all one shot. I think most people and I didn't for the longest time. I just got so caught up in the action and the story. It it's so beautifully done. De Palma always finds ways to work these long shots into his movies. But in a movie like Snake Eyes, I feel like it's forced. Um, here, it felt so organic mm. to what he was doing, and it was just really, really beautiful. It's a great, great long take. Carlito's Way. Nice. Awesome movie, too. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. What do you got? What's your number two? My number two, Touch of Evil. Okay. You already spoke about it. Back to you on your number one. My number one is from 2002. Ira, this is another movie that I might have to force you to watch. Am I going to go home with it? No, I don't own it. But it's a movie that... It's the top of most people's list of movies you can't unwatch. Uh, 2002, French movie called Irreversible. And I might have mentioned it before, but there is... The, the whole movie is told backwards. So you start with the end and then you move back to the beginning. And so you find out what has been motivating these characters to do what they've been doing. And the title also, it ref reflects that it's irreversible, but it's also germane to the story, which is that it's a brother and a boyfriend who are trying to find a guy who has raped this woman. So it's this woman's brother and this woman's boyfriend are both trying to find the guy. And when it works back to the rape, which you know is coming because they've talked about it several times, when it gets there, it shows the rape and it's all in one long shot and you're, it, you're there and you are basically a witness to this woman getting oh, raped. Wow. And it's incredibly visceral and um, it's, it's nauseating. And he anally rapes her in this, this uh, little... Un underground walkway and people walk in and see what's going on and then they run away and they don't help her and the way the camera's positioned she's reaching out to the camera and basically begging you to help her and there's nothing you can do you can see the it's like your horror witness. on her it's face like you're yes a to a crime yeah you're a witness to a very horrific brutal crime now was she provocatively dressed because if she was she was asking for she it. was asking for it she did wear a sign that said please rape me yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah. yeah, the bitch had it coming. Yeah, of course, it's a great movie, uh, and it's again, you can't unwatch it. You you know you can't unwatch Solo, right? One hundred twenty days of did Sodom. Something to me for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna need to take a a, a shower when a, you're done. A long shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your number one, buddy? I wonder. I hope you've seen this. Two thousand six. You must have seen Children of Men. Mm -hmm. That's one of my scoops. The car, the car to, ambush. Yes, the, we've never it's spoken great. about no, this. No, we haven't. And I was thinking about it, and I went on YouTube and I watched that segment again. I read articles about how this was done with the camera spinning. The whole yes, time? yeah, yes. And they had to obviously they had to build the car and modify it significantly so the windows could go down. This this whole camera was on a, and it was just they were explaining how it was wildly complicated to shoot. It goes on for many, many minutes. It's so. Uh, they're, they're dry. Julianne Moore again. Mm -hmm. She's great. 
She was in Boogie Nights too. She's great. And the car going down, they're ambushed by the bad people. And it just goes on and on. The camera's swirling. The, the rigs that they had to set up, that's the word I was looking for. However, I was doing some in-depth reading and something broke my heart. It's not real? Is it, is it pieced it together? It was. There was a moment where they had to do some optics to make it seem seamless. And when I read that, I didn't want to read that. Can yeah. you appreciate Look I, at your I, reaction I right it. now. I thought, oh, man. They said, yes, there's one pit where they had to do a little bit of massaging. Did they cut? I don't know what they did. And you just stopped reading? I, I, stopped, I was so heartbroken. I wanted to be real that they went out there and fucking shot that yeah. with an elaborate rig, but they had to do a little bit of doctoring to make it work. What a scene, huh? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's really, my number. That was definitely, uh, that probably would have been my number six. And I want to say the same director who did um, who did the, the sci-fi movie, Gravity. Right. And I'll get to that. Gravity, this opening. Gravity is okay. on my list. All right, my so that's my number well. one. Now let's do scoops. Go. Well, Gravity. Gravity of the men. opening sequence. And again, the same director. How about that? What else do you have on your scoops? Uh, the Revenant had some really great that's stuff funny. where the Indians are chasing... Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio right by the lake or the, the river. Oh, man, that's some really, really good stuff. Um, I think we mentioned all the others. Uh, some of the ones on, on mine, anyway. Gravity, Time Code, Snake Eyes, Children of Men. Nice, yeah. nice. The only ones, too, that I mentioned, I obviously I had Birdman down and so on, and Rope. You know, I had to include right, that, right, too. Right, Rope. Um, and, and, and you know what else? We saw this together a couple years ago. The movie Life. The science fiction yeah. movie. And there's an opening in there where the camera swirl and we get a whole idea on where this movie is taking place. Do you remember that sequence? That movie really stuck more with you than it did even for me. You loved the ending. Yeah. I thought, but I've seen it and I've talked about it again because I've watched it. And that ending, I fucking love the ending of that film. And that movie, Jake Gyllenhaal, wait a minute. Yeah. He's in that again. That's my boy. <laughs> I fucking love Jake Gyllenhaal. If you've listened to this podcast, I know. Go back to the first you go back, and you were talking so much shit about Jake Gyllenhaal, and over the course of 160 He's one of our episodes, most brilliant actor, you've changed your tone. I can name tone. five films right now that are just incredible movies. That Nightcrawler, it'll just, they, these movies are just. He's fucking awesome. You know, I didn't mention it, but I did watch Source Code, and Source Code is another really good Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Uh, it. It, we checked it out recently from the library. I had seen it before, and I hadn't seen it for a while, but it's kind of a live-die-repeat thing where he keeps having to go back and go back and ah. go back. It's one of those. Yeah. Um, but it's – I mean, it's a, it's not groundbreaking, but it's a definite fun popcorn movie. Um, Gee, he's great. Yeah. Plus, I have a thing for his sister. Yeah, I know. I know. Life. I put that down as a scoop. You know, another movie that has a really yeah. great long shot, but I can't remember if it's cut or not – but it sure does seem like it's one shot. The conversation and the opening of the conversation where you're hearing these people walking through the park and it it may be cut. I can't remember. That's why I didn't want to put it down and didn't have enough time to go back and, and watch it. But do you know what I'm saying? It's done with a long lens, yes. isn't it? Yes. It's done with a long lens sandwiching yeah. the images together with the depth of field. And it's yeah. really... Oh, and there yeah. may be some cuts in there, but it's real minimal but if yes, there are. Yes, yes. And uh, and so I couldn't I couldn't recall if that was all one shot or not. Yeah, Haskell Wexler, he yeah. shot that. Yeah, nice. Before we wrap up, uh, yes. well, I guess hold on, let's let's do this. What what are we gonna do? If other people have any top fives uh, of long shots that we missed, go ahead and write what in. They, to what us. do they do? Well, they can send us an email. Where? Our email. No, but 
This is the part where you have to say where. Oh, oh, oh. Our email. No, Robert, you're supposed to give the email address. My email is Robert at antiwavepodcast.com. Ah, and, and or Ira at antiwavepodcast.com. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. that would work, Oh, too. yeah, okay, Or it. they can reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram. Our handle there is at antiwavepod. Got it. Now, hold on. Can you can you Wait, pause the rhythm? You're, you're asking. You're, you know how I like habit. Well, just, just I keep, like this, patterns. keep this in your mind. We're all over the place. All right, we'll get to that in a minute. I want to ask you something. I should have brought it up at the top of the show, but I didn't. What happened to the English patient? Has anybody mentioned the English patient since 1997? Have you seen the English patient? I saw it in the theater when it came out. Have you thought about it since then? No, and I wonder if the movie has been buried because this is Harvey's. Now, is that where you're going? That's kind of the next thing I was going to say. This is Miramax. Well, I was thinking about it the other day, independent of Harvey Weinstein, but I was thinking... Nobody ever talks about this fucking movie. And didn't it win Best Picture? Yeah. And everybody was all yeah. worked up about it, yeah. get winning Best Picture? Oh, it was No it. one it has seen thing. it since. It hasn't been talked about in the last And the next thing years. I was thinking is, all right, do you know Dame Judi Dench? She's yeah. actually been defending Weinstein and um, Kevin Spacey. And she, not so much them, but really more their movies. And she's like, are we just supposed to just not watch these movies anymore? These are pivotal movies. And I think she's got something there. Uh, I don't want to defend their actions, but their movies. And I thought, you know, here's what we do. We take one movie from each of them and we we blacklist it. And we just say, sorry, you can't watch this anymore. So Weinstein produced Shakespeare in Love. Sorry, that's now off off limits. And producer Joy said she liked Shakespeare in Love. And I, I pointed out, I said, everybody's going to have to make some sacrifices here, right? So we're all going to have to give up Shakespeare in Love because that was produced by Harvey Weinstein. But feel free to watch any other Harvey Weinstein movie. I understand. I thought you were going to go in a different direction. What? I thought you were going to propose a Harvey Weinstein film festival. Oh, well. <laughs> he is the greatest producer of all time. <laughs> no, and this... I like what you're saying right now. But this does beg that other question. We've articulated this before. I think it bothers me more than it bothers you that he was kicked out of the Academy in the producer's division. Yeah. yeah. He was a damn good producer. And he brought movies that we had access to that we wouldn't have been able to see if it wasn't for Miramax. That's it's true. It's also pointless to kick him out because no one's going to work with him again. It's also pointless to kick him out because he hasn't been found guilty yet in a court of law. Right. Even though he did it. Most likely, of course, he did it. And he's about, but however, he, it's again, we talked about this. It's the court of public opinion. And that makes me really anxious when these people are tried and found guilty among the masses this is mob mentality i love how we're getting into this at the end of the show yeah right you're ready to wrap up and we're like this is mob mentality he's being stripped of his credentials but not in a court of law do you okay what's the kevin spacey movie we would get rid of american beauty no oh are we picking is the criteria one of his best i don't know well I don't know. I don't know what the criteria. Even the Bobby Dare. He's done a lot. Of, uh, yeah, I thought you were going to go with the one, the Kaisers, uh, un, un, the um, you know, usual un, suspects. Unusual suspects. Yeah, but no. Let's do American Beauty because after all, it's the same director who did 1917. Yeah. So now that's being banned. Yeah. Blacklisted. No more American Beauty. So uh, okay. If but, you watch American Beauty, you support Kevin Spacey. But but, but I like no. That movie. That's it. Ira. But, but I, like, I just told but, you we have but, to make but sacrifices. The cinematography, no. the music, the story, and Shakespeare in Love. Sorry, same it's gone. thing. I it's lo- off off the plate now. I understand the but point. But the that you're good making. news is what you can watch all the the Quentin Tarantino movies you want because those were produced by Weinstein, and you don't have to feel guilty. That's an interesting point you're making. Right. Okay. I'm you on just it. can't watch. Okay. American Beauty, and you just can't watch Shakespeare in Love. But, 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 but. They're blacklisted. Sorry. Okay, I understand. 
if you watch those movies, you are raping women. I, I don't mean it's like raping women. I mean, literally, you're raping women. I want you to remember that. You're gonna watch both of them by the end of the night. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch them tonight. One last time. Can this start? Can this banning, the censorship start tomorrow at noon? Can I have tonight to rush home and see these two films? No. Give me that. No. You're saying no? No. I thought. You, thanks, buddy. <sighs> what do you think of that, Madeline? We're all over the place. Yeah. What do you mean we? We're all over. You're the, the one place. who threw this left curve. That's thing. all over the yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we are all <laughs> over the place. Oh, we're, we're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? We are. Yeah. That was, <laughs> now I see there. how you're steering me into my, my shtick here, um, but I'm not ready. You know what? You can find us on I, iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on Spotify. Do you tell your kid to shut the fuck up? Just go to our website. <laughs> this whole show has come <laughs> off the rails. People can throw us a few bucks over at Patreon, help keep the sprocket holes moving. Producer Joey, thanks for doing a good bang-up job. Trying to keep the kid quiet. Keep the kid quiet. I know. Oh, man. What's going on with us? Uh, Next week. What are we doing next? Next I know what we're doing. What? What are we doing? You don't think I remember, do Uh, you? Let's get out of this fast because that baby's crying. The 7-Up franchise, these documentaries. 63-Up. Yeah, so we're going to watch that. (laughs) Jesus, God. Damn kid. Yeah, Yeah. let's bring her closer to the microphone so we can hear her a little better. All right, so we're going to watch 63 Up. <laughs> Have I forgotten anything? No. Oh, believe me, you said it all. All right, let's wrap this show up. So until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. And maybe I'm sounding a little bit cynical or narrow-minded or rigid 